Paul. And Shamina. And welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Hey! I don't know why I'm saying that so happily because (laughs) I feel like I just am feeling a way about the world right now. (laughs) You mean the end of days? No, I'm just playing. It pretty much is. Okay, let me just dive right into it because I don't need to be talking about myself. We need to be talking about the universe right now because it's really angry at us. We got tsunamis in Houston and Bangladesh. We got another one in Florida. We oh, have no. Earthquake in Mexico. Um, we got people stealing our credit information. We, like, I, it's just too much. It's just, you know, Charlottesville races people every day. It's just the news, I just feel like, has been consuming me more than usual. Just... Now we have Mother Nature playing with us. This is like every yeah. form of disaster. This is the thing she's not playing though. Like she's not playing. She's sending a real clear message. She's like, I'm not playing with y'all no more. Let me let me go ahead and do what I do, and then see how y'all respond. Right. Oh my gosh. It's just I like we you know we recorded two weeks ago and I've I've been taking notes. I'm just like, oh well, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. It's just it's it's just the energy. There's just something. I don't know, is Saturn back in retrograde again? Mercury was in retrograde and ended on the 5th, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just in the nick of time. So, um, you don't even have to ask me how I'm bossing. I'm just. Yeah, I was like, so that was how you're bossing. I'm going to take that as it is. I'm just reacting to the tragedies. What was me of the world? Yeah. So, how are you bossing? Um, I'm doing all right. I think it's been, like, tough to hear about all the stuff that's going on in the country aside from like the usual racist bullshit and the recent announcement about the recension of DACA, which we'll get to that later as a head bitch because it seems like the same head bitch every time. Um, But then having friends and family in Florida and then um, Houston, I've got family there. So just kind of really paying attention to that and doing what I can reasonably do. to donate and give back or give um, to causes that I found reputable, you know, and everybody's gonna find their own thing, but it's been hard to kind of pay attention to that. And like, sometimes the the minutia of work, and don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for my job, so I don't wanna seem ungrateful. Um, but like the silly things that you have to deal with with work, it's like, that stuff doesn't even matter. People are like, I need a bottle of water. like real basic needs and so it certainly is putting things into perspective and making me be more mindful of um how blessed I am and to be grateful not that you can't be grateful and be frustrated at the same time but I'm like really my problems are minuscule because I'd be in a world of mess if that happened here so needless to say it's been a little bit heavy yeah very heavy very busy my mind can't take it all yeah Oh. Ditto. That's like the joys and the curses of compartmentalizing. Yeah, and I, I used to be really good at that, and I've just reached that uh, bandwidth where it's not helping anymore. The walls are breaking <laughs> down in my mind. I'm going through, like, all this uh, weird... Uh, trauma is, a, is an exaggeration, but it's, like, relived turmoil yeah. in the world, you know? Yeah. So... Okay, Uh, let's take a little break and we'll be right back.
Bachelor talk. Um, guess what, Shamina? What? Happy one year anniversary for Head Boss Large. One year. Who knew we'd make it? 30 episodes. Can you believe it? Yes, I can. (laughs) Actually, I can too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm just like really happy and proud of ourselves for just doing what we love and sticking through to it. Yeah, there's certainly a stick to itness factor that comes into play. So. Mm Yeah, yeah. one year. So for Water Cooler Talk, um, the one year anniversary kind of got me thinking about uh, <clears throat> then and now, um, if you will. Uh, I guess that's what we'll call it. So, I will. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I love pop culture, as you know, um, from music to movies to like stupid things celebrities do to, and I would even consider, of course, uh, uh, things that our government do, natural disasters. Um, I call all of that pop cultural news because uh, whenever an incident happens, especially in today's day with social media, it tends to send this like mass wave and we all react to it a certain way. And it all, beco- it all becomes a focus of conversation. Um, mm-hmm. I even think that pop cultural phenomenon or pho- phenomena influences... Um, maybe some of the decisions that we may take moving forward. Um, We may even use them as tools to educate other people. Like personally for me, I like using pop culture as a way to educate folks on social social justice issues. So Mm -hmm. um, I thought it would be really cool to reflect back on some key historical pop culture moments uh, that span the various different topics and then just kind of talk, reflect on where were we at that moment in life, Uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, stage of life, what did you think and perceive the the phenomenon to be, and then let's talk about now, Um, how's that influenced you today, or um, if you don't want to talk about yourself, maybe you want to talk about how you see it influencing uh, outside of you, so other people. All this right. should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> As not a huge pop culture buff, but hey. But I'm I think you it. can relate to these because it's a mixture of like politics and other things too. So, um, okay. So I'm let's, here for it. let's jump back to the year 2000, actually, really the year 1999. And let's talk about the phenomena of the Y2K, <laughs> the Y2K bug. So, <laughs> Uh, where were you? What were you thinking? What was going on? Any cool memories? Oh my gosh, this is going to date me quite a bit. Um, in the year 2000, I was in undergrad already. I was a, I was a junior. Was I a junior? Yeah, I was a junior. <clears throat> and um, so I was on a college campus already. I don't remember, I remember it being a big thing. But at the same time, not being a big thing. Like, I didn't get the sense that the world was going to shut down and things weren't going to work. It just, like, the narrative around me was that, like, we'll be able to figure out because we're on a college campus. And I was living on campus. So they're like, okay, if all things shut off, then this is kind of how we reconvene. And I think I was working on a college campus already um, as an undergrad. They're like, okay, well, if at, like, 12.01 like all the shit shuts down, then we're all going to meet at this place and figure out what to do. Cause we were like, what if all the lights go off? There's no electricity. Like systems are going haywire. How do we do things on pen and paper? 
and keep the community like, you know, in some sort of reasonable order. Um, clearly none of that happened. Um, the clock struck 1201 and everything was still on and fine. Um, and you got real talk, the internet really wasn't that much of a thing. Like it was there and there were some things there was like, do you even remember like the AOL disc? Yeah. The CD -ROM, okay. For the sure. CD-ROM and dial-up. Oh, yeah. And then you had to have a bunch of different email names so that you can use the disc another time. Right, and you get a bunch of a bunch of them in the in the mail. Like, oh, try this out for like seven days and then you have to like... Yeah. Yeah. Or it was like, if you got the thousand hour one, you were set. Like, that was... Like, you were basically the bee's knees at that point. Um... But yeah, so I was an undergrad, nothing, literally nothing changed. Like we all came back to um, school uh, and I was on a quarter system. So it was like mid end of January, everything was fine. Nothing had changed. But yeah, we had like extra water in my house and like, like people were gonna start looting or something if like all the systems shut down. I was like, well, first of all, nobody's grocery shopping usually at midnight, but okay. Um, so yeah, we'll both be dating each other this entire episode. So I was, uh, in fifth grade. Wow. <laughs> Seeing your face. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> so it was, um, a, a little bit dramatic on my side. Um, during that whole year, I remember, um, particularly in my, so, uh, uh, the social studies and also the, um, uh, what subjects? Yeah, history and uh, science classes. A the teachers would sneak in articles, um, just kind of talking about or showing us like the public opinion and why we think the clocks are gonna reset back to whatever and all these things. And it would actually come up in classroom discussion every once in a while. And so um, in my home life though, um, uh, you know, I we've talked about uh, our religious upbringing before, but the, our church took it really seriously, um, where uh, particularly for Christmas services, they'll have multiple services throughout the week leading up to mm. New Year's. And I just remember a ton of prayer circles. Um, the church would do their own New Year's celebration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and for that celebration, we were like... I don't know, I felt like I was in a cult or something. The lights were off, we got candles going, we're just holding hands, praying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, what is going on? It was so serious. And even the sermons leading up to that uh, 2000 was, yeah. everything was from the book of Revelation. Yeah, it was um, literally like end of days, Revelations, Leviticus, like right. this is the end, like you better get ready to like, go on and give your life to Christ right now. Um, <laughs> Cause there ain't gonna be no tomorrow. It was so dark. Um, but those were my biggest memories. And, um, you know, looking back at it now, it's it's just very laughable because internet science technology has developed so much. But I'm, I'm sure, uh, I feel like that was the first year where we had technology really, you know, scaring us and dictating our yeah. lives. Yeah. I think that's for the first time, um, first of all, fifth grade, wow. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, I, I think that was the beginning of people seeing how powerful the tool of technology was going to be. Um, Cause we realized how reliant on it we had become. And like, there was no, it was almost like there wasn't a backup but we had to like discover a backup system. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, granted, I didn't even have a, did I even have a computer? I don't know that I had a computer. I think I was using the computer lab in my residence hall. 
or my roommate's computer when I was living in an apartment on campus. So it, I was right. like, there's nothing going to happen to my stuff. I don't even know that I had a, I'm certain I didn't have a cell phone. I had a pager. So. Yeah. And you're right. Like not much or that we know of controls, you know, the things that we do every day, like technology was not uh, taking that over, but I guess people were falsely perceiving that technology controls our electricity. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then that would, but it just, it just, yeah. It was just a really good example of people just talking out of their asses and not really getting the facts straight because yeah. it really was just, a, it was just a scare. It was a scare tactic. And when people talk to each other, they can convolute and just misconstrue technical information. Easily. Yeah. Okay. Now let something like that happen now, though. Oh, we going this is going to be a major shit show. People re like we're so reliant on it. Oh, right. were we not at the now part? Did I jump ahead? No, Sorry. we were talking about now already. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, people are going to lose their mind. Like, how do you talk to people? How do you entertain yourself? It'll be like, kids are going to be like, well, what do I do? Now I have this little machine thingy that does nothing and it doesn't work. Like, you're going to go play outside is what you're going to do. You're going to talk to each other. That's what you're going to do. Right. So... And, you know, yeah. I, the, you know, we constantly in the news, there are conversations about national security. And it's so weird how uh, now we have a whole new, and this is like probably 20 years old, but this is still really new, a new branch of the uh, uh, government that's totally focused on just cyber terrorism, which is yeah. mind boggling how we have a whole section of our tax dollars just devoted to cyber security, which was, was non-existent pre um pre 80s you know yeah probably wasn't doing too much pre 9-11 when they realized all that was was like as soon as all that stuff happened i imagine like then they got quote-unquote serious about like protecting you know uh technology in the united states etc mm -hmm. so yeah okay uh this is a uh, uh more of a fun one um, Beyonce's first solo album, Dangerously Love, came out in 2003. What were you doing? What do you remember? Um, 2003. Do we know what month it was in 2003? It was. I that's really um, random. I, I, I looked this up. It was in the summer. It was in the summer. Then I was just leaving for grad school. You're going to be like, I was in seventh grade. Um, <laughs> I was just leaving for grad school and I had, did my car even have a CD player at the time? I don't know that my car had a CD player. Um, I was not into like heavy into music. Not that I'm into heavy into music now, but like I wasn't super heavy into music. I knew Beyonce clearly because I knew Destiny's Child, so I don't get it twisted. Um, so... I'm pretty sure I didn't have it. I must have like, somebody must have burned it for me. I'm, I'm assuming one of my students burned it for me because I didn't have a CD player in my car. So there was like, I had a tape, um, a tape deck. Wow, again, this is, a, I don't know how I feel about this episode. Like, <laughs> Too okay. Bad you're in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my computer at grad school, cause I got, there was one that was in my office when I started and it had a, um, uh, CD player, CD-ROM thing on it. So I'm sure that's how I heard it. But I knew that it was coming out. Um, I know better the B-Day album, because I can, I can tell you exactly where I was when that bad boy came out and where I, I got it from and how to get it. to the, the store now. 
Go ahead. Go. I was in. I was in Bloomington, Indiana, visiting my friend Molly, and it was um, my birthday weekend because Beyonce's uh, birthday is the day before mine, um, and slash um, a, few, uh, a few years after me. But I was in the Best Buy, and before I was driving back to um, where I was working in Indiana, I picked it up so that I could listen because I had gotten a CD player in my car by that point because then I was fancy. Um, and I listened to it for like weeks, like so much so that in a few weeks I had to get a new CD because that one was all sorts of jacked up. But yeah, that was, that was the first album that I remember crystal clear as day, like B-Day, all the tracks, green light. I think that was Freakum Dress, mm -hmm. um, Kitty Cat. Mm -hmm. Um, was that Ring the Alarm? Yes. Okay. So like I know like that is the the album that I was the most familiar with. But anywho, that's not the question that you asked. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's actually that's, funny I asked that because I actually have more memories around B Day than I do with Dangerously in Love. Yeah, well, because we didn't know the the power of Beyonce. I don't think um, at that point. Like yeah. she was just like it was the break off from uh, uh, Destiny's Child, which we knew was going to be something, but we didn't know what it could be. Right. And then B-Day, like, there was, I feel like there was more hype around B-Day. Um, and it was and just... It was, and it was the first album after Destiny's Child officially closed. Because after Dangerously in Love, Destiny's Child still had more one, one more album. They went, came back together for, um, what was it called? Uh, Destiny Fulfilled. And then they did that tour. Okay. Yeah, they all did their own solo thing. So I completely agree with you on that. Um, so, uh, 2003, I was about to start, uh, my freshman year in high school. <sighs> okay. okay. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love making you feel all uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So, um, and honestly, uh, I mean, I was a Destiny's Child's fan and I was just like, yeah, I still wasn't really, mm, Beyonce, what's this? I was still up all in, you know, Britney Spears and all of that, but... Um, Whoa, okay. <laughs> but that actually was... <laughs> Beyonce was probably my really introduction to really caring about pop music. Mm -hmm. uh, it was also really the introduction of me um, g getting all up in the downloading culture, um, so downloading music from the internet. Uh, so the years of like LimeWire, um, uh, what was the other one? Napster came yeah, out. I was like, were you paying attention to things when there was Napster? <laughs> so Napster I was the know. first one. And um, I also felt like that was my first opportunity to kind of understand what was going on um, just in the social culture, because I was a little bit of a loner. I wasn't really into like, you know, top 40 music or whatnot. I, grew, I like literally grew up just on Christian gospel music. So Who I was didn't? all... Come huh. on now. I said, who didn't? And Luther Vandross, because my mom loves Luther Vandross. Right. <laughs> so I was in a household where like secular music was not really allowed. Yeah. But um, Beyonce was just so loud in my face. I was like, let me, let me see who this is. Um, but yeah, in 2006, when B-Day came out, I, um, at that point, was already driving. And she, uh, that, the deja vu was just on the radio hey. all the fucking time. I couldn't mm. pinpoint, you know, I, I, 
uh, get ready at six, I leave by like seven or something and I'm driving and it, the song comes on at the same time every day. So I'm up there, I didn't have the album yet, so I, I would record it. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong but with that. No, I, I know it was 2006, but I was slow with technology. So I would record it um, on, uh, or, you know, and also get tracks from my friends too, um, cause we would share music on CDs all the time. But um, it wasn't until B-Day that I was like, Yes, this is a force. Oh, I'm gay too? Great. Like she, she <laughs> album came out when I came out as gay. So I was like, this is on point. The stars are aligned. The planets are aligned. I am. You're yeah. like, I'm fully realized. This is who I am supposed to be and where I'm supposed to be in life. Right. <sighs> but now um, it's so, I would have never expected her to run my life <laughs> like this, you know? <laughs> I, I did not think back in, even in B-Day, that she was gonna be as relevant. Her, her name would be coming out of my mouth every other second, you know? Yeah. I would agree. I didn't think um, I would know her, not, not having been like super into like quote unquote secular music, if you will. Um, I didn't think anybody would kind of like move me or like me feel so connected or me like save coins to like go to concerts and whatnot like I do with Beyonce or like the fact that she, that I, much like a lot of people have, um, like, you know, you can set a post on Instagram so that like if Beyonce posts, it comes up as a notification. Wait, you can do that? Oh, wow. Whoa. Whoa. Hey, hey. That's how people Look get up all celebrities business. Yes. For when a specific person posts. Yes. I'm about to do that right now. Wow, you made me feel real hip. Um, I don't even <laughs> know if people welcome. use the word hip right now. Um, shit out. Okay. Yeah. But, like, well, it's like, I do that for the artists that I have are her and Adele. But anywho, um... But yeah, I didn't think that it was, she would have say things that felt so relevant or like make me feel like, oh girl, you can do stuff. Um, yeah, I, I had no idea. Like who did? Um, I'm sure she did. But like her influence is just so expansive. And she reaches so many audiences and she's like untouchable. You know, I, I think we, it wasn't expected because we've all been through many musicians and there's almost a, a formula right there's mm -hmm. a, a formula for especially women female artists for how long they last and when they peak and when they decline and then we move on and she's continuously for pretty much almost two decades has broken that formula you know she's yeah. in her late 30s and yeah. like the, these young bitches ain't got one on her, you know? No. Well, she created her own formula that no one has access to. People try to think they have the formula, uh, sloppy Taylor Swift, um, sloppy Katy Perry, um, but they, they keep trying and they're failing with the formula. So I'm like, you should just stop and, and stop Columbusing shit, if you will, and do your own thing. And we know that you're doing it because there's like, you you're, you, you can't tell me that you had the same idea and that your people had the same idea as Beyonce and her people. You cannot tell me that. There is nothing that you can say that's going to make me believe that. Right. So, anywho, sorry. Gotta stay a moment. Let me calm down. Okay, the next one 
is Obama's presidential win in 2008. Oh my gosh, I remember. I was at, um, I was with my now wife, um, and we, I think, had just started, like, we were on the, like, beginning starting dating, we, but we were at, because um, this was the same time that Prop 8 was on the ballot in California. And so we were at my friend Jonathan's house watching, like, it was basically a watch party, because it was, like, first black president. Um, and I remember us watching, and it was like, it felt like touch and go, but it wasn't touch and go at all. Um, and I remember sitting on the couch and being like, and I'm not like a super emotional person generally, or I don't get real hyped up about news and information. But when I saw this, I was like, oh my God. Like it totally made me forget about the Prop 8 stuff, which as a person who identifies as gay, I felt kind of bad about. But I was like, wait a minute, like black president, like I'm gonna be all right, but like, what is going on, black president? So I remember sitting on the couch and just looking at the TV when they um, said the projected winner and I started to cry, not a lot. Um, but I remember tears started to roll down, but I remember I was, I could even tell you his address, but I don't want to put his business out there. I remember very distinctly that moment. And then I remember coming back to work, feeling a real sense of pride. Um, I was probably a little like, um, maybe shitty to people who didn't, uh, who I knew didn't vote for him, but just based on what I knew of their politics. Um, so I was feeling of smug and superior, but yeah, I remember that really, really vividly because I, I had also just moved up to the Bay Area a few months before that. So, yeah, I think that was like the first presidential campaign that I had donated money to. Mm. And I, I'm pretty sure I still have the picture of voting for him both times um, in case that was unclear to any listener. Um, I have pictures from both of those times. I remember my um, my mom took my dad when he was still alive. He was a and named my stepdad, but he was my dad. I remember she took him to vote for the first one, and he wasn't in his right mind for the second one. Um, but she took him to vote, and it was just really meaningful for him. And I just, I remember her calling me. I think she called me afterward, and I was just crying because he was so happy to be able to vote for somebody who looked like him. He'd never thought in his lifetime he would be able to, born in like the mid-20s. Um, the mid 1920s and so i just remember that being like a monumental occasion for me and then for him and my mom so yeah it was awesome that was great so uh i was a sophomore in college i just started my sophomore year and i was in my um uh uh, well, it was it was a brownstone. I can't even call it a resin saw. It was <laughs> it was a brownstone on Bay State Road in Boston University. <laughs> and um, I, you know, it was in the evening, and I I just had the election streaming on my computer while I was uh, working. You know, I was busy studying for a big test or whatever. And my roommate was also uh, streaming it on his computer, and so we were we would, you know talk back and forth to see where the election was going and. Um, I, it was the very first election that I was eligible to, uh, vote for. Wow. And super, super excited. I, because I was away at college, I was very intentional about getting my absentee ballot, like read up on the process. I mailed it in. I want to be a New Hampshire voter. Um, and I was very proud of that. And the moment was surreal for me too. I like, I mean, my roommate, um, uh, was white and we just like both looked at each other, just like, in astonishment, I called my mom immediately 
And my mom like is screaming at me like in a high pitched voice, just like really excited. Um, and it, it's it was just really interesting to be on a college campus mm -hmm. during that time. Like, you know, really me bonding with other black people in a way that I've never been able to before. Cause this was right when I was leaving, you know, white New Hampshire and trying to find my 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 identity of blackness. And this really kicked that off for me. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I kind of understand it now. This is what I've been missing yeah. for so many years in my childhood. Um, and I, I just loved how it transcended politics. Like it was just so much more than just a political win. Yeah. So uh, how about now? How has that particular moment in your life changed you now? Um, I think it's made me certainly more aware of politics and um, making sure that I vote with consistency um, and pay attention to the issues that are going on. I've always been kind of a, a bit of a nerdy news pol political um, reader and watcher of, like I love a good political documentary, even the ones that are seemingly boring. Um, I remember reading, what was it? Uh, must have been Hillary's book back in, was it Hillary? In 2008, didn't she run? Yeah, because I ended, I met Hillary Clinton when I was working at San Diego State right before I moved up. Because um, she was on campus for something and we got tickets. Um, and I remember reading her book and just how she talked about the election. I mean, granted, she talked a little bit of shit about um, uh, President Obama because he's still the motherfucking president. But if again, if anybody is confused on that. Hello. Um, <laughs> Um, and low-key, Hillary has a book coming out, I think, at the end of September that I cannot wait to read because that bitch is going to be messy. Um, is that meme I sent you? The, the, the book title? No, I don't remember. Oh, um, it, <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. Um, we've been, like, you know, interpreting what the real book would actually mean. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um she was messy in that previous book and she, I don't envision her being messy because she had a lot more at stake this one because she, she knew she was going to win and Lord help us all. Um, but yeah, I think it has influenced and, and made me pay more close attention to what is happening in the political landscape and ways that I can have my voice heard um, and ways that I can share and have like meaningful dialogue with um, colleagues or like my family, nieces and nephews and have, making sure that they're paying attention to what's going on. Um, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was really an eye opener to, to start paying attention um, and to realize that black folks can be seen, you know what I mean? So, and it wasn't just like the Jesse Jacksons of, or Al Sharpton's of the world. Right. So, um. You know, I, I, I would like to say that this election made me more aware uh, and want to be aware of uh, politics, news, and uh, our power in that. But also, that was my first election. And naturally, I was, as a college student, I was naturally curious and wanting to be aware of the political climate. So I mm -hmm. can't really tell if it was really Obama's win or if I would have felt that way regardless. Uh, but it definitely, uh, that moment does... Uh, make it a little personal, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think now I um, 
you know, I, I was always in a lot of conversations of, you know, as a black man, it's possible now, you know, you have a role figure and, you know, having someone that broke the glass ceiling really made uh, me get through the college years because I didn't let any of my struggles, whether it's was academic or obstacles, I should say, not struggles, academics, finances, uh, social culture, I didn't let any of that get in my way because I knew whatever it was going to be, I could, I could make it. It just helped me become even more ambitious. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I, I also think too now we, we, not just me, I think <clears throat> because of the um, Obama's touch with culture and society, I feel like mm -hmm. we view the White House a little differently now because, uh, you know, he, Obama and Michelle, you know, are going to all these concerts, meeting these celebrities, appearing uh. on talk shows and comedy shows. Like, they were so in tune, and they just really left, uh, they b basically told us, we can be leaders, but we can be woke and have fun, <laughs> right? Like, you don't yeah, have to right? the administration in a box, and I totally respect that. Like, now, 45 has taken that to the extreme now, but... Mm you know, 40, uh, Obama has done it in a very classy way. Yeah. I also think he, he made us start to pay attention to other, um, political figures of color. So if we weren't paying attention to Auntie Maxine at that point, like, I mean, she had been in the game for a long time already by that point, but now, like, of course, I think we started to pay more attention to her when he got into office or, um, Kamala Harris, uh, Cory Booker, um, any of those kind of the real big names gave us an alternative to again no shade to Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson but they're just not it anymore and I do re recall Al Sharp uh, was it Jesse Jackson talking shit about Obama talking about he I can't remember what it was but I was like you got told on you were on a hot mic but anywho um but it gave us an alternative that we could get on board with so it wasn't always the old school thinking and it's really the the community um and how we can band together as a community I think that's a lot of what I have seen Kind of come out from that. All right. Uh, the next one. Um, Michael Jackson's death in 2009. Oh, Michael Jackson's death in 2009. Where was I? At? Well, I was still working up in the Bay Area. Um, did he die on a weekend? I can't remember. Anywho. It was a weekday. A weekday. For some reason, I was at home all day that day. Because I remember being, like, in the morning, um, I, I don't think that I was sick. Anywho, but I just remember being at home all day and seeing all the news coverage that day. Um, and then all the tributes pour out on social media or, like, all of the, the flowers laid out at Never Never Ranch. And then, you know, of course, then the scandal started to come shortly thereafter. But I remember that um, not as vividly as other things, but I do remember being, I can, like, oh my God, I remember my address. I remember being upstairs in my house and then they, they announced it on the news and it was like, wait, Michael, like Michael Jackson? Um, like Michael of the Jackson 5? Like Thriller? Like Billie Jean is not my lover? Um, yeah. It didn't hit me like super hard because I'm like, I was a casual fan of Michael Jackson. I wasn't like buying his stuff. Um, I can't even think of, I actually had an album of his um, on a CD. I might've had like a tape um, and my mom, I'm sure had some records, um, some like old vinyls, 
But other than that, I wasn't like a super big fan of Michael Jackson, but I do remember um, that day because I was, again, surprised, amazingly at home all day for that day. So I saw like every piece of coverage that went across the news. Um, uh, in 2009, that was a summer, right, going into my junior year of college. And I was um, an orientation leader. Um, all throughout the summer, we had like 12 or no, nine orientation sessions week after week after week and lead, you know, lead large group of students. It was one of my best summers in college. And we were um, at the, the lunch barbecue in our like little uh, basically quad lawn area. And I'm just like relaxing. Um, I, I remember I had a Blackberry phone, uh, <laughs> you know, and my, uh, my, oh my gosh, I even remember who told me, weird. Uh, my friend uh, at the time, uh, Lene, uh, she, black girl, and she was just like, oh my gosh, Michael Jackson just died. And, you know, we're leading a bunch of freshmen around and <laughs> no one cared, but uh, me and the other orientation leaders were like, wait, what the fuck? And she's like, yeah, Perez Hilton said he died. I was like, bullshit, Perez right. Hilton. Hilton, really? No. And so I go on Twitter um, and yeah, I just see the news. That's like, there was no information. It was just in that moment, Michael Jackson pronounced dead. Uh, and it really fucked up the rest of my day. I mean, I was just a casual fan as well. But Michael Jackson meant a lot for, like, my family. Like, he was that one pop star, regardless of religion, <laughs> that everyone <laughs> with. Like, my family liked him. Like, I couldn't listen to secular music growing up, but we could listen to two, or there were two people I remember, Michael Jackson and Bob Marley. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? I was like, I don't know, that makes no sense. Mm. But because he's a brother from the islands, that was okay my you know my dad would always play his records but yeah so I felt away because it was more of like oh my gosh like this was a key figure in the household um and I can't believe he's gone yeah yeah I mean I wish I had fonder memories to share but I don't yeah, no I mean so still good enough so about what about now how do you feel MJ's I don't, <laughs> to be real honest, like certainly iconic, he was iconic, he very likely still is iconic and people are, have been influenced by his music and will continue to be influenced by his music. Um, and so while I certainly respect all that he had and all that he will continue to give to music, um, I don't feel any particular kind of way about it. So, so I mean, I... I, you know, Michael's tragic, one of many. Um, I can't really pinpoint, it didn't really do anything for me now, with the exception of, um, I feel like uh, now I'm, I'm more into tune with how I'm growing with my artists. And unfortunately, I'm thinking about what is it like, what will it be like when my, my current greats go through those tragic moments in the future? And Don't even put that out in the universe. I'm just going to leave it at that. But okay. just knowing how technology is advancing, how information's at our fingertips. And I think fan culture has tremendously um, increased and changed. I mean, f fans are creepy. Like, yeah. fans will do anything, you know? And now we have social media to hide behind. 
but when I think about the, you know, the days back to Selena, um, you know, and how people will do crazy things because I, I think when you get to the level of Michael Jackson, like a huge icon, you're not a human. No. So people will do really weird things that they wouldn't do to their friends, right? Yeah. Um, well, I feel sorry sometimes for people who get that big um, because they can't, like, operate in the world like a regular person would, you know? And so, I mean, part of me thinks, like, oh, what's their, what's their quality of life if you can't even, like, you can't go to the store, you know? I mean, granted, you probably have people who do that for you. But the fact that you can't because it would be literally unsafe to do. So, Yeah. I mean, I'd give it a shot. Don't get me wrong. So uh, I'll try that any day. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, but there's a, there's a level of empathy that I have for folks who get that big or like people put them that high on a pedestal. Don't get me wrong. Like um, I love me some Beyonce, but she's not my God. Um, so, but sometimes it looks like, oh, that must be kind of tough to not be able to move freely or to have people like, so emotional at just the thought of you that like you think it's hard to make you know friends as an adult girl you ain't you ain't making no friends like being that famous <laughs> you know yeah but i'll be your friend beyonce call me anytime right all right uh we have time for one more um the last one is what i call the birth of social media so when facebook came out in 2004 or um not even when it came out when you first got an account <laughs> so when it was first accessible to you um so i was in that initial group of people so if you've seen that movie social media <laughs> or the social network i think yeah social network um so i was on a college i was in grad school um and so i was i got a link from somebody in my email so when they talked about like you had to have a dot have a dot edu to get an account um and if you didn't have a dot edu email then you couldn't get one. I was in that, I had a .edu. So I had one before, like when it was called the Facebook um, and the interface looked like super slow and very simple. Um, and you had to figure out how to like use a digital camera to like upload a picture. But for the most part, most people were just the silhouette unless you were fancy and had a digital camera and knew how to do that. Um, so yeah, I was on, like the beginning stages of what Facebook was. And then it didn't really pick up that much for me. Um, Cause I was like, not everybody that I knew either was in college or had a .edu. And then people weren't, just weren't using it. I mean, there was another one out there, Friendster, but I never used that. Um, I was like, I didn't really see the point of that. Um, I use it a lot now to stay connected with family and sometimes to drop a gem every now and again when I have one, but yeah, it wasn't, I mean, it was great, but it, it wasn't like as scandalous as like that movie made it out to be. Um, and like, I remember like my old profile is still out there somewhere. I don't know how to log into it. And there's like nothing on there. Um, but I had forgotten my password for so long because I didn't use it because it went like, it had this like huge wave and then nobody used it. And then it kind of, I think I rejoined in like maybe 09, 08, 09 or something like that. Um, so it just sat there for a number of years. And then I had, what is the other one? The top eight. MySpace? 
Yes, I had a my I had a quite an active MySpace. I had a Black Planet. Oh, um, <laughs> Black Planet. <laughs> Really? Um, <laughs> which I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. Did, were you around the Black Planet days? I, I, I know of it. I never had one. Um, oh. It was before. I mean, I was in the early years of high school when I heard about it, but oh. I, I'm Black living Planet was planet, so, so It was so yeah. inappropriate. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that stuff, like, yeah, anywho. I actually dated someone that I met off of Black Planet. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was like the social media, but really it was like a dating website. Um, but it was also social media. So, yeah, that was funny. But yeah, other, those other things were bigger than Facebook at the time. Because no one really knew what to do with Facebook because it was exclusive. So while that appealed to a lot of people, it didn't appeal to me because I'm like, I don't, most of the people I know didn't have like a computer, number one. Um, and number two, enough information or .edu to be on Facebook. So makes sense. Um, for me, when it like happened, I like it was just never intersected my or my friends' waves. Like we were just on MySpace. It was only for college students, so like who cares? Like we didn't care. Um, but <laughs> high school was when it became available to everybody. That was 2007. And at the time I was still using MySpace, that was a shit. And, uh, but I had a boyfriend <laughs> in college at the time. So he was the one who's kind of giving me clues into, oh, like you should totally get on it, it's the thing, whatever. No one's using MySpace anymore. I was like, y'all are trashing MySpace already? It just, right? Facebook thing just started. But um, it really picked up for me when I started college. And I think the timing of that, couldn't have been more perfect because uh, I was using that as a way to dive into um, college culture. Like people were already creating groups or whatever they were called back then. Um, and people friending me once they saw like, oh, he's going to be you as well. So let me just friend him. Um, and it's so strange how Facebook has changed only within that four years, four year period I was at college because it was a key marketing tool mm -hmm. to events and you know college administrators were like uh, let me just type it i don't know how to get students to come oh like, wow hey, let me go like it was you know it, it was interesting to see that um uh but i guess let's go into the now how has facebook um i don't know that it would change my life um I mean, it's good. I use it. I don't use it. A t I, I do more looking than I do actually like commenting or like updating statuses. Sure. You can call me a lurker. Um, uh, I, I, I see a lot of what my, like my family, like my nieces and nephews are doing. Um, so that's for the most part what I'm looking at. Um, I just find sometimes that people have gotten like, they try to take too many liberties by being on Facebook and like want to comment like out the side of their neck. Um, the other, my, um, it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was a few weeks ago, right after Charlottesville happened. And I think I had posted something. And then some guy that I don't even, like I vaguely recall him from high school and my 20 year reunion was this year, <laughs> dating myself again. Um, 
he, I get, we were in a, all in a Facebook, you know, most of us are in a Facebook group together to talk about the event and tickets and da da da. And I couldn't end up going, I was out of the country. Um, and he said something sideways on my wall. And I was like, what you're not going to do is you're not going to come in here and white mansplain to me anything until you've lived in the, sh and then I had to like, and I'm like, I was, that wasn't even the intent of the post. Like, I'm just trying to bring a bit of awareness and like a, a tinge of my thought process. Um, so sometimes it's become more of a, an, an annoyance than anything. Don't get me wrong. I see a lot of funny stuff on there, a bunch of memes. Um, but I, I probably am a little more connected to um, either Twitter or Instagram. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like sometimes Facebook in itself, like people get too comfortable with like how they think they know you or things like that. And I'm like, you don't know me. Let's not do this. Um, and I'm also smooth on the block in somebody. So I'm like, I don't have to deal with the shenanigans that are, that you say, um, and I can choose to block and people will be like, well, you don't want to hear opposing viewpoints. Fucking no. Sometimes I don't, mm -mm. I don't, I don't. So, and I can make that choice for myself moving right along, but yeah. So I use it. I use I'm more, for the most part looking. I'm not super active on commenting. I'll comment like once in a while on something. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Facebook is good to make you feel good on your birthday. So I'll be like, yes, on my birthday. And I'll be like, why don't I write on people's walls on their birthday? <laughs> All these kind people have just either used like a template of like, happy birthday, exclamation. I'm like, oh, I feel, you feel so special. <laughs> Like, I should do that more and I'm like uh, maybe yeah that. and then you move on to the next thought yeah um for me now yeah I you know I will I mean as with a lot of people but I was probably really addicted to Facebook because it just was fused into my life routine you know check it in for check it first thing in the morning obviously when I was younger I probably was much more vocal than I am now um, but it's changed so much just because I've reached this uh, or this uh, exhausted bandwidth. I, I don't, I don't, I only have Facebook now to uh, know what events are happening in the city. Because um, I get a lot of invitations, whether it's from drag queens or, you know, parties or things. I still want to be in the know. I still have a desire for that. And um, I use Facebook Messenger with some people. So I, I, I'm, and sometimes I'll use it as a, a thermometer on what's exploding in the world right now but yeah. that I'm not as attached to it as I used to be I'm just exhausted like I'm you know I'll go a full day without even looking at it um until the evening right to see what's going on mm -hmm. and then other days I'm like it's on in the background and it's whatever so um I just think the market has our forms of communication have been really saturated for me Mm -hmm. And uh, I am now reverting back to, um, you know, let's talk on the phone. Like, it takes too long to type. <laughs> like, I'm like, really, <laughs> and like, people don't like using the phone. I'm like, girl, get over yourselves. <laughs> get over your millennial selves. Um, we are going to come back. But first, let's take a break.
Okay, and we are back for our one-year anniversary show. Hey, hey! Milestone. There's a real reason to celebrate for everything. For any, or no, what's the expression? There's a reason to always celebrate. Wow, wow, Wow. okay. Somebody's been drinking, okay. No, I haven't! (laughs) (laughs) I like how you were like, yeah. I was like, okay, exactly, got it. Okay, so uh, instead of Ask a Boss, uh, we are going to play a little game slash reflection um, in honor of our one year. And I'm going to put you on the hot spot first, Shamina. And okay. uh, I'm going to see how well you know our episode archives. <laughs> oh my God, I don't. This is... you, you can't cheat. You can't look shit up, okay? <laughs> so okay. I, quiz- I don't know them very well. This is going to be a failed game for me. I'm going to okay. quiz you on some of our own episodes that you have contributed to. <laughs> oh, so... Lord. What was the title of our very first episode? I haven't the slightest idea. You're not going to even try? <laughs> no, I don't. I have literally no idea. Do you remember the topic? No, not a clue. So our first, <clears throat> so our first episode was called Defining What We're Meant to Do. Oh. And uh, that was kind of just talking about um, is the job that we're in the right job, um, making the right choices for our future career? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I vaguely recall. You gotta remember, like, in terms of part compartmentalizing, I can do that quite well. Right. <laughs> so I open the HBIC box when I need to, mm-hmm. um, which is typically when we record. Um, other than that, I was like, it just kind of exists. I try to take each moment in its authenticity. And, um, so yeah, you might as well give me the other two strikes now. So, but okay. <laughs> okay, I'll, we'll just still go through them. <laughs> um, the next one. So in one of the early episodes, uh, in starting the segment, um, our water cooler talk segment, I started singing a Beyonce song, <laughs> full on fledged Beyonce song. And it had to do with the topic of our show. What was the name of the song? Beyonce song, but was also the title of the show um you know not a clue i'm telling you i have no i'm trying i'm in my mind going through like beyonce song titles and i'm like it wasn't green light um it wasn't kitty cat <laughs> formation it wasn't on that album <laughs> um flaws and all oh we probably talked about our flaws. <laughs> or maybe I'm I just blocked it out. The afternoon. Yep, blocked it out. Okay. <laughs> um, we had an episode on millennials. And I had referenced a YouTube video by a leadership. Oh, my goodness. What was his name? Simon Sinek. Yay! Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I got one. Hey. Okay. Two more. Oh, God. Okay. There's two <laughs> more strikes to be had. Okay. We've interviewed two people on this show. Who did we interview? We interviewed Rosalind Cohen Baruch um, and uh, Dynasty H. Hurt. <laughs> Hunt. I don't remember her yeah, last yeah, name, yeah, but Hunt. clearly I know who she is. Hunt. Hunt? Yeah. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. 
You I can just envision her dog. So I was like, oh, the who man. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Shout out to Dynasty. Hope you're listening. Hey. All right. And the last question is you had um, a letter episode um, about uh, taking the right bus. Who um, it was by a, it was um, reference, you were referencing a book. What is the title yes. of the book and who wrote it? From Good to Great is the title of the book. Um, I don't remember the author. Is it Collins? Last name Collins? I might be making that up ent- entirely, but I know it's from Good to Great. Close. Um, it's from Good to Great, Jim Collins. Jim Collins. Okay, Collins. I was close. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good book. I, we should really delve into like another chapter of that because there's many more gems in that in addition to the concept of um, being on the right bus or not. All right. And the last question um, we'll both answer, and I can go first. Um, I'd love to know what was your favorite episode slash recording? Um, If you have more than one, that's fine. Uh, And yeah, we'll just kind of go back, like go back in time and what was our favorite. So um, I had a couple favorite ones. Uh, And speaking of the bus one, that was probably my top favorite episode of... Yes. um, which bus am I on? It really kind of kickstart uh, started a conversation in my head, and it actually appeased a lot of the stress I was putting on myself with mm-hmm. looking at other people's lives and kind of being a little jealous, like thinking I'm not on the right path because I'm looking at someone else's as my own when it really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really liked that one. And then um, my second favorite one was the fake it till you feel it. It was like really, really early. Um, and we, okay. were, we were using that one as a, um, uh, I guess the topic was fake it till you make it. And we touch upon many different things about, um, you know, we're in these professions that have practical skills moving into the job, but there's so much to what we do every day, both in the personal life and the professional life where uh, we kind of make it up as we go. And we were debating, is that okay? Is that not? Uh, mm-hmm. We've been talked about race a little bit, how, you know, we got some privileged white people who do that for a living. So mm-hmm. look at the positions that they're in now, and they're not qualified. So mm, not uh, at all. I was really feeling that one. How about you? Um, so let's see. I think I liked the... I have to scroll back and look through the titles. So, um, so many episodes. I think I really like the Black Emotional Tax season. Um, I tend I tend to be drawn more to the ones where like I'm I might be going through something and I can kind of get that out verbally. Um, so the Black Tax one, I think. Uh, is something that I continue to deal with and think about um, and the weight that comes with that and having to manage that. Um, and I think I like, am I on the right bus? Um, I think that was a good time for me to have some reflection about, am I on the right bus? Like, have I always been on the right bus? Am I in the right seat? Do I have the right driver? Um, so the book, it like, I think delving into just that small concept from the book was really self-reflective about me. And then like the folks that I work with, like are collectively, are we, are we positioned on the right bus? Um, 
And it's a, it's a way of thinking about it that doesn't put like a specific name to it. It doesn't address a, a certain problem, but it just more talks about like, are you in the right environment for you to be successful? You know? And then do you need to invite yourself off the bus at any time? So I think that one was another one that was really um, meaningful. And I think that sticks with me a lot as I think about um, role and where I want to go in the future and whatnot. Cool. All right, yeah, we, we produced a lot of really great content. And as you kind of mentioned before, a lot of it really helped me go through, get through shit, you know, that was on my mind, so. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, here's to another year. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Cling, cling, cling. All right, uh, we'll take a break and be right back. And we are back for our last segment, Boss Ass Bitch and Bitch Ass Boss of the Week. Take it away, Shamina. All right. So I have a few bosses, a few bitches and a boss. Yeah, let's do that. So the first bitch goes out to, um, as usual, the current administration in the White House um, for the decision that rolled out uh, related to um, DACA, folks who have DACA. uh, the recension of that program that was initially put in place by President Obama um, to provide m- almost a safety net and some security for um, uh, children who had been brought to the country um, when they were little kids by their parents and who are undocumented. Um, so I'm not even going to get into it because it's, I feel like the conversation has been quite exhaustive and I'll, I'll tweet some stuff out about it um, over the next few days. Um, but a hearty fuck you to um, the current administration and the fact that the bitch ass 45 didn't even have the nerve to say and make the announcement. He put that dumbass Jeff Sessions up there to say it. Um, Wholly disrespectful. So I'm just going to leave that at that. Um, So fuck all of them and everything they're made of. Um, Another bitch, uh, Betsy DeVos or Betty DeVoe, as I like to call her. I don't like to call her anything at all. And the fact that she made some strong allusions that they are going to be changing um, some of the Title IX regulations, which essentially would be making them weaker. She didn't give any specifics because she probably doesn't know what those specifics are. Um, Oh, yeah. Um, So from what I'm hearing that she's going to basically loosen the regulations about investigations related to Title IX and outcomes. for students. So, yeah. I don't mean to <laughs> shock you. <laughs> Your face has awe. But yeah, it's, it's that kind of stuff that sl- slightly seems to slip under the radar where some of these bigger programs are being rescinded or ended um, or altered in a way that is hurtful and damaging to people. And then at the same time, they're doing all this kind of undercover stuff where they think that people are not paying attention. So, um, so bitch to her. Um, and everything that she's made of. Um, let's see. And I think another, I think my final bitch is, um, to a tennis player, Maria Sharapova, um, who recently came out with a memoir, (laughs) um, 
And shout out to um, Bim Adewunmi. She's a BuzzFeed senior culture writer and all around just hilarious. Um, she wrote a, an article about it that I haven't even fully got a chance to read, but I've been following a number of uh, Twitter conversations around this. Um, but the tennis player, Maria, basically, um, she's so trying so covertly to be racist in her memoirs that she's talking about um, going up against Serena Williams as though she could, that she compares in any level to Serena Williams. Um, there were a few uh, uh, pictures floating around of like the, maybe like 15 to 17 times in a row that Maria has lost to Serena, but she calls her a competitor. And I was like, if you keep losing and the last time you won was in 2004, you, that's not a competitor. You're a practice round for Serena. So please respect her greatness. And she's only on a break to have a baby who will come in and slay the game. Um, shout out to Serena Williams and her daughter um, with her fiance. But just the way that she talks about um, Serena and some of the quotes in the book, and I haven't read the book, but I've, I've seen like enough shots of the, the quotes to get a sense. And the book is not all about Serena, but the fact that she brings her up and the confidence in which she brings her up is like, next to her, I feel like a little girl. And I'm like, bitch, you have five inches on her. Like you're literally taller than her. Like. <laughs> Serena is stronger than you and a lot of other things that you are not. But for you to be like, I feel like a little girl next to her and she's so strong. Like, how do I compete? You don't. That's the thing. You don't. You think this is a competition and you don't. So um, bitch to her for her covert racism that we all see um, and the coded words that you use. I'm intimidated by her. And I'm like, please don't try to perpetuate the, the narrative of the, of the angry black woman. Don't do that. So I have to, I had to look up the thing you recently sent me on Twitter about this whole <laughs> tennis thing. And uh, you, all y'all have to look up uh, Joanne the Scammer. Oh my God. And she is imitating, like doing like a reaction. So Serena Williams, after she read what Maria said about her in the book. <laughs> and Joanne the Scammer, I love her. Yes. You need to look up his most recent uh Twitter, uh, Instagram video. <laughs> it's really good. Um, and then, so those are all the bitches, but then boss out to Rihanna, um, for, uh, I think it's called Fenty Beauty. Um, her makeup line that just came out, uh, in the last day or two. And I don't wear makeup, but I'm damn near inspired to go get a little bit of color myself. Um, no, I'm not going to get any makeup. Um, but shout out to her for doing, like having a color palette that goes from like the, the fair, the whitest, let's not even call it the fairest, the whitest of white faces, um, all the way to the most chocolatey, beautiful brown faces um, and all of the ones in between. Um, and she talks about how like meaningful it is to, to be able to have colors that represent any woman. Because somewhere in there, you're going to find your color. If you are an albino woman or a person who wears makeup to any degree, you are going to find your shade in there all the way to the darkest chocolate that there is. You are going to find your shade somewhere in there. So shout out to her for, for um, paying attention to simple shit, like makeup that matches Why people's fucking so faces. Hard? We're in 2017. People still haven't full, figured out how to do a full spectrum of colors. Like, oh. I guess not. So shout out to Fenty Beauty, even as a person who does not wear makeup, uh, I was pleased and really proud to, um, and I'm not even like a real hardcore Beyonce, Beyonce, look at Beyonce infiltrating my life again. 
oh, thank you, Queen. Um, uh, Rihanna fan or Stan, um, clearly I know her music. Um, but shout out to her for doing stuff that's going to be influential and reminding people that they matter and that they, it's important that they be seen and be represented in something like a color palette so that women or peop- and or people who wear makeup can feel represented out in the world and not be trying to like work so hard and overpay to find a color that fits their skin tone or what they're trying to do. So um, that's my boss. Riri, we see you. We love you. All right. So mine are pretty quick. Um, uh, one, our boss um, of the month is Beyonce. Um, so Duh. if you haven't caught on, anytime, um, we always have a boss of the month and we'll change the banners in our social media and all our accounts on the signature image. So come with us for the fun. But obviously, Beyonce is just Beyonce, and I can't believe we haven't done her yet. <laughs> but I'm right? glad we waited till her birthday month to uh, make the announcement. Um, oh, and fun fact, uh, or fun question, Shamia, do you remember who our first boss was in September, a year ago? I don't. It was Michelle. <laughs> Michelle Obama. Oh. She was our Isn't first. Isn't she boss. always the boss? I know, right? So um, my first boss goes to Beyonce and Michelle because it was Beyonce's birthday, but also Michelle launched this tribute campaign. <laughs> it wasn't intentional, but she Ugh. just was uh, giving homage to the formation video with the tilted hat. I wish she gave the middle fingers up. Oh, that would have been badass. But she she classy like that. So I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Cardi B who is from Loving Hip Hop. <laughs> and I've been calling this girl from the beginning. I think all of those hoes on Love and Hip Hop are crap. Everyone be trying to make makeup lines, music. Everyone's in, you know, has baby daddy issues. But Cardi B is the first one who just kept it real. And she had a stellar performance on the VMA. She was nominated for a VMA. She has an album coming out last month. And I just have to, have to respect a girl who, you know, from Brooklyn or from the Bronx, just, you know, coming from nowhere, got sucked into the reality TV world, but played it smart. She didn't do what all these other bitches do and just live off the short-lived fame of reality TV. She quit the show as soon as she got where she needed to be. She's done with the show. And now she's like making waves like so long, Nicki Minaj. I mean, I love Nicki, but Nicki needs to make room for it you know, other queens, there can be more than one rap queen, but I mm-hmm. think Cardi B is really setting uh, the wave of net generation of uh, female rappers because, uh, you know, back in the 90s, there were so many and then they died and then Little Kim came out and, you know, all her contemporaries and then they died. Now all we have is like Nicki on the mainstream level. So I'm just really happy for Cardi B get into it oh and you know she got touched by beyonce oh thank you for reminding me yes this bitch performed at the great uh the um, great america tour in philadelphia concert in uh philadelphia that jay-z produces and she performed and right when she got backstage tina knows beyonce knows jay-z just there to greet her and hug her and you know beyonce just didn't do the like the light let me put my hand around you tap her whole fucking arm was around Cardi B. So she got the stamp of approval. If you didn't believe me before, you can believe me now because it's Beyonce approved. Go out and listen to Cardi B. Um, And then all these are related to Beyonce. I also want to congratulate and give a head boss to uh, Laverne Cox. Um, Oh! The face 
of Beyonce's Ivy Park Winter Collection. I am so ecstatic. And mm. I can only imagine how ecstatic Laverne is because she, in all her interviews, she talks about how much she loves Beyonce and how it's influenced her. And, you know, she's out here on, you know, uh, the lip syncing competitions and doing all the routines. Like, she stands for her. And to get that call from her to say, yeah, I want you, bitch. <laughs> I'm mm. so for her. Like, a tr- and also a trans woman on the face of a sports collection. Like, ah, yeah. it's, it's just awesome. Uh. <sighs> Gosh. And then the last head boss goes to Shamina. <laughs> hey, hey. This is a surprise. Um, first of all, it was your birthday. And hey. publicly say happy birthday. Um, and just also for being a great partner in crime, I'm so happy to have you as not just a colleague, but also a really good friend. Um, thank you for, uh, always adding and enhancing my life. Um, cause those are the people I like to surround myself with. So head boss to you. Oh, thanks Paul. Likewise, boo. All right. So that ends our uh, show for today. It was fun. Uh, so uh, please connect with us on all our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, you can also uh, email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. We're on multiple platforms. You can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. And uh, lastly, please rate us. Uh, we really want to know how we're doing and uh, let us know what's on your mind. So that's it for this week. We will see you in two weeks. Peace out. Bye. Cause it's just another day in the life of the condemned boss.